0: This meeting is being held in person. Members of the public may attend the meeting to observe and provide public comment at the physical meeting location, or by calling one 655 one and using ID number 26645235482. Webinar password is 1234. Please ensure you are in a quiet location. Speak clearly and turn off background sounds, television, phones, radios. Wait for the item you would like to address to be called. When prompted press star 3 to be added to the queue. The system will notify you when you are in line. Callers will will hear silence when waiting for your turn to speak. Operator will unmute you. You will have three minutes to provide public comment. You may also watch live at www.sfgovtv.org. Item one, roll call. President Stephen Nakajo. Present. Vice President Army Morgan. Present. Commissioner Catherine Feinstein has been excused. Commissioner Marcy Frazier. And Commissioner Paula Collins has been excused. And Chief of Department, Janine Nicholson.
1: Present remotely.
0: President Nakaja will now read the land acknowledgement.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Madam Secretary. The San Francisco Fire Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestry homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their tradition, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceased, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestor elders, and relatives of the Rahmatur's Ohlone community, and by reaffirming their sovereign rights as first people. Madam Secretary, item one, please.
0: Item two, general public comment. Members of the public may address the commission for up to three minutes on any matter within the commission's jurisdiction that does not appear on the agenda. Speakers shall address their remarks to the commission as a whole and not to individual commissioners or department personnel. Commissioners are not to enter into debate or discussion with the speaker. The lack of a response by the commissioners or department personnel does not necessarily constitute agreement with or support of statements made during public comment. Madam Secretary. I don't see anybody approaching the podium and there is nobody on the public comment line.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Dan Craig. Item two, public comment is now closed. Madam Secretary.
0: Item three, approval of the minutes. Discussion and possible action to approve the meeting minutes from the regular meeting on September twenty-seventh, twenty twenty-three.
2: Is there any public comment on the minutes, Madam Secretary?
0: There is nobody approaching the podium and there is nobody on our public comment line.
2: All right, public comment is closed. Any questions, discussion from the commissioners on this item?
3: I'd like to make a motion to approve the
2: minutes. Thank you very much, Vice President Morgan. I'll second it. Thank you very much, Commissioner
0: Frazier. President Nakajo, how do you vote? I vote aye. The motion is unanimous. ITEM FOUR, CHIEF OF DEPARTMENTS REPORT. REPORT FROM CHIEF OF DEPARTMENT Janine Nicholson ON CURRENT ISSUES, ACTIVITIES AND EVENTS WITHIN THE DEPARTMENT SINCE THE FIRE COMMISSION MEETING ON SEPTEMBER 27, 2023, INCLUDING BUDGET, ACADEMIES, SPECIAL EVENTS, COMMUNICATIONS AND OUTREACH TO OTHER GOVERNMENT AGENCIES AND THE PUBLIC, AND REPORT FROM OPERATIONS, DEPUTY CHIEF DARIUS LUTHROP, ON OVERALL FIELD OPERATIONS INCLUDING GREATER ALARM FIRES, BUREAU OF FIRE PREVENTION AND INVESTIGATION, training within the department and the airport division
2: thank you very much good morning chief nicholson i know you have a meeting in the mayor's office
1: soon so please
2: uh, proceed
1: thank you so much greetings president nikajo vice president morgan and commissioner frazier this is my report uh, since our last commission meeting on september 27th A lot of things have been going on in the last uh, few weeks, but first and foremost, let me offer my condolences to Commissioner Feinstein and really to the whole city of San Francisco um, for the loss of her mother and our great uh, former mayor and and senator. Uh, big big loss, end of an era, um, and so uh, our hearts go out to to her and um, her her um, her whole family, her her. Uh, the senator's granddaughter, I mean as well. So in the past couple of weeks, uh, there was a Latino heritage uh, celebration at City Hall that uh, I attended with some of my uh, command staff. Uh, the San Francisco Firefighter Cancer Prevention Foundation had a fundraiser that uh, I stopped by at. Um, and uh, as always, they continue to do uh, great work and raise money all for the um, betterment of uh, firefighters' uh, lives, basically. We sent out offers to the 133rd Firefighter H2 Academy, and we sent out invitations to people for the 133rd and possibly the 134th for a uh, boot camp that's happening this weekend, October 14th. If anybody would like to attend, please feel free. There will be a morning session and an afternoon session out on Treasure Island. Uh, So it's really a good way for these young people to see what their strengths and weaknesses are, what they need to work on uh, before they come to an academy. And it's helpful for us to see their strengths and weaknesses as well. Um, As you know, Fleet Week has been happening over the past uh, week. Really, really proud of all of our um, members and especially Chief Artiseros Brown for all the coordination and work she did for Fleet Week as well as um, uh, Deputy Chief Tong and her folks um, on the uh, EMS side. Uh, really just so much work done. It's a huge lift and um it's a huge lift normally and then throw some other things in there and it really becomes a much bigger lift um but you know myself and my command staff were able to attend um senior leader seminar and you know other events reception on the jack Murtha uh, ship which was pretty thrilling um and our, our folks really stepped up to do um everything they uh they needed to do to um whether it was the fire boat out in the water or divers uh, ready to deploy um, from our uh, moose boat um, or what have you. So just so much um, great work. I'm really, really proud of the department for Fleet Week, but also for, um, obviously, uh, I said earlier, we lost our former mayor and great senator, Diane Feinstein, um she loved california she loved san francisco and she loved her fire department and we loved her back um as well um and so as you may know we were able to meet um commissioner feinstein and um uh, speaker emerita pelosi as well as um the uh, casket uh, containing diane feinstein at the airport uh when she was flown in uh, one evening we had uh, quite a few of our members there to um to receive her uh, and we also were able to receive her at city hall on the morning when she was laying in state um and that was a huge honor for us and you may or may not have noticed that um we had two of our members who were pallbearers for her Um, on that day. One was um, uh, Assistant Deputy Chief Sean Buford, and the other was uh, Lieutenant uh, Christina Hunter. And you may or may not know the story of um, Feinstein's Finest, but women came into the department, first came into the department when um, Diane Feinstein was our mayor. And so the first women in the department were sort of nicknamed Feinstein's Finest. And one of them was Sheila Hunter, um, whose daughter is Christina Hunter, who was one of the pallbearers, so kind of full circle. Um, and I know they were able to speak to Commissioner Feinstein uh, that day. Um, so really, just uh, kind of a, a um, just a sweet little little story. Um, and then obviously the uh, the memorial service was very hot that day. We were uh, totally prepared with our EMS um, and other resources. And indeed, we did need them at the end of the uh, event um, when people were overheated. And um, so we got right to work and and took care of business. But I just want to say how grateful I am to the command staff and to everyone in the department for how we showed up and how we always show up, but really how we showed up during Fleet Week and for um, our um, Senator uh, Feinstein. And if I may ask, um, be so bold to ask President akaj if we close this meeting in her honor uh, later. Um, And that uh, concludes my uh, report for today.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Chief Nielsen. At this point, before you go to your meeting, let me take public comment. And then any comments or questions from the commissioners Madam Secretary?
0: There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on the public comment line.
2: Public comment is closed. Commissioners, any comments to the chief? Commissioner Frazier.
4: Thank you for your report, Chief Nicholson. I don't know if she's still there, but um, thanks for that. All I would like to say is uh, your last comment about how we showed up and. <clears throat> I was fortunate to be here on the morning when uh, the senator's coffin came to City Hall, and there were so many of our members there, and the reception ceremony for her was absolute, was so touching. It was so beautiful between all the uniform uh, services, the horses, the motorcycles, just the pageantry of it. I know she would have loved it. But I I just want to echo what you said and how we showed up, and and we really, really showed up, and I'm I'm grateful to all of you. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Commissioner Frazier. uh, Vice President Morgan. Oh, my mic. Uh,
3: Thanks for your report. Uh, Chief Nicholson, I know you're uh, busy in a hurry, so I won't keep you long. I just want to thank you for uh, representing the San Francisco Fire Department well at the ceremony for... uh, Senator Feinstein, we lost a good leader in uh, San Francisco as well as Washington. And we will be pleased to, you know, have a moment of silence in her honor uh, for this meeting at the close of the meeting. And uh, I was, uh, I I did want to comment on that incident I was at. Um, I think it was on Oak and I don't have my notes with me where the the poor laborer got buried in the, uh, what what street was that? The Visadero. The Visadero, that's right. Yeah, I was at that site. And I just want to commend uh, you guys for uh, doing such a great job trying to save the poor guy and uh, your professionalism. And uh, I want to thank uh, Captain Baxter for doing a great job with public uh, relations with the media and all you guys' professionalism is second to none. Even though it was a tragic event, um, uh, I just witnessed uh, all you guys' great professionalism and all you guys' great efforts, and I just wanna thank you guys uh, from the labor community. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Vice President Morgan. Thank you very much, Chief Nicholson. Um, Again, uh, with the commissioner's uh, comments, I also would like to, at this point, appreciate and thank uh, the department um, for all of the work during Fleet Week. Oaken okay, uh,
1: Divisidero. Okay, Divisidero,
2: yeah. uh, Divisidero, yeah. Divisidero. Yeah, uh, Divisidero. I wanted to thank uh, Chief Astero Brown and uh, all of the department members, uh, Chief Tong, EMS, uh, during all of the activities during Fleet Week. Um, as a San Franciscan, you probably couldn't have picked a better weather weekend ever. Uh, really, really interesting in terms of the dynamics that were occurring within the city as well uh, with everything that was occurring and with the remarks in terms of uh, Senator Feinstein's service and the representation of the department. Uh, I also wanted to thank and acknowledge all of the members uh, who participated within that and uh, offer our deepest condolences uh, to the family, our senator, our mayor, and to her family members, uh, particularly our colleague, Commissioner Kathleen Feinstein. Thank you, Chief, for your report. Madam Secretary, thank you for your time. Thank you, Madam Secretary.
0: Chief Lethrop,
2: you're up. Good morning, Chief Lethrop.
5: Good morning, President Cajo Vice President Morgan, Commissioner Fraser, Marine, uh, City Attorney Huber, and Command Staff. This is uh, I'm Chief Darius Lethrop, Deputy Operations Operations Report for September. Um, I do have slides. If we go to there, all right. So for the report this month, um, nothing out of the ordinary for our total call volume. Uh, Boxes total, 124, which is only one less than last month with 15 working fires and one greater alarm listed. The greater alarm was at 2975 Mission Street, a second alarm uh, with the incident commander being Chief Rabbit, who's in attendance today, if perchance you have any questions for him. Uh, The alarm was struck eight minutes after midnight, uh, 2975 Mission Street, uh, across of 25th and 26th, and there was one injury at this fire. Um, It it was initially reported at the intersection of Lilac and 26th. Engine 11 arrived first, found a large volume of fire on Lilac Alley. Uh, You can see it there. So uh, they initially began conducting operations in the rear of the building, uh, but found quickly that it was impinging on the exposure, a three-story Type 5 with wood siding um So when Rescue Two arrived on scene, they were uh, tasked with moving to the front of the building and determining the actual street address of this incident. Um, Division Three arrived, took control or command from Battalion Six, and uh, began firefighting operations. They determined the fire building to be twenty-nine seventy-three seventy-five Mission, which was a two-story Type Five building, uh, and the exposure twenty-nine sixty-nine, a three-story Type Five. Uh, they. Led multiple lines to this, including a two and a half inch hand line as they made forcible entry on the Mission Street side. Uh, and a, they experienced, as they entered these buildings, they experienced hoarding conditions, and the other building was a building under construction. So, two types of uh, fire that are difficult to fight and control. So, basically, three. Three circumstances, a heavily involved exterior fire, and then when they made entry into the buildings that were exposed to the fire, they found hoarding conditions and found one with open framing and construction on the inside. Um, a coordinated attack uh, occurred and a second alarm was struck. As, as the second alarm was struck, they encountered um, a civilian uh, who was suffering from injuries and uh, provided medical aid on the scene of the fire. Um, as the fire was resolving, uh, we had a vehicle drive through the scene and the, uh, narrowly missing some of our members, and there was uh, the police apprehended them on scene. Um, so the challenges presented to the, the incident commander at this were the, the three that I've kind of listed out there, as well as there being um, a, a common problem for us in our fire operations is not, uh, necessarily understanding, um, the extent of the fire from the report, right? So, uh, it was reported from the rear, initially attacked from the rear, and then we had to address it from the front side in a well-coordinated effort by all the chiefs and all the fire units operating on the scene, and it was resolved fairly quickly, uh, with that one injury. Um, the, the, the command and control required here, um, just demonstrates the competency of the chief officers, including Chief Rabbit, and um, and yeah, that was our that was our reported greater alarm. Now I did report our second greater alarm of the month, which was our sneak attack um, second alarm. This was also Chief Rabbit's fire. Um, this was reported to us at twenty six thirty Bayshore was box nine two seven six. So it is on your sheet on nine one. Uh, it's not listed as a second alarm, and as I discussed last meeting that is because you can see where the chief's buggy is parked uh, the sign daily city is right there so it was uh, uh, in many ways a similar fire it was a heavy volume of mostly exterior fire that was impinging on a building with an unknown address so the company said to coordinate quickly uh, to discover the actual entrance to the building um, which was remote from this location on bay shore and uh, as they were operating, they, they received, uh, they, they noticed that they weren't the only fire units on scene. So Central County, uh, including units from Daly City, primarily in Brisbane, um, were on scene. Um, and this led to um, having to establish what we would call a unified command, kind of an ad hoc unified command between our incident commanders and the San Mateo County incident commanders. Um, they were able to kind of overcome their initial issues, uh, divide the fire into basically into divisions and allow the San Mateo units to address, one part of the fire will address the, the building that was actually still inside the city limits of San Francisco. Um, and this was also resolved with uh, minimal fanfare, no injuries, um, but with some, some lessons learned. And so as promised I, at the last meeting, it, it brings up the idea of mutual aid. So a typical response for a county-to-county border like this or a city-to-city border um, across jurisdictional boundaries would, would prompt something called automatic aid. We do not have an automatic aid agreement with, with, these, with these municipalities or this county necessarily. What happened here is just literally the next address was in Daly City, so they also had a report of fire in, in their jurisdiction. Um, what What's required for success in a mutual aid operation is um, kind of an understanding of operations, mutual communications, which we have the ability to do, and after this incident, we'll kind of streamline our ability to do that. Our radios do do it in a, in a a process that was started under Chief Darcy when he was at radio and has continued under Chief Cannon at radio. Um, We do have the the capability to speak to San Mateo units, so we could have common communication. And then a common um, tooling, um, all of our units that operate on the border uh, do carry adapters and other tools that would allow us to operate across jurisdictional boundaries Um, So there were no real hindrances to the operation in that regard. We'll just tighten up our communications. But we don't have necessarily an automatic aid agreement with them. Another form of mutual aid would be what we call an immediate need request from another county or jurisdiction. Uh, And I'll get to one of those in a moment. Um, That's set up through kind of the state's master mutual aid agreement, which is a broader framework for the ability to respond across boundaries. And then one I'll add for this week, because it was Fleet Week, is um, the idea of defense support of civilian authorities. So in the month of August, uh, an example of an immediate need request that came from County Alameda City of Oakland was at a large fire in the port. um, Fireboat St. Francis, Fireboat 3 is it, there are now a number of fireboats again on the bay, but by far the the queen of the fireboats on the bay is the St. Francis, um, and they requested the, our ability to apply 20,000 gallons of minutes of water to this large debris fire. Um, they operated there for hours, and they were they were a substantial assistance to uh, the port and the city of Oakland um, in in reducing. The damage that this fire caused. So that is an example of an immediate need request. Another would be what we call our 5499 box, which is um, a, a unit that we or a, a strike team that we're able to assemble uh, with no notice um, at the division of training under the leadership of one of our battalion chiefs and respond to any of the counties in our immediate area. Um, this has happened um, with some frequency over the years and. Um, we, we maintain our readiness and level of training so that we can respond in that way. Another form of this mutual aid um, last month was we deployed um, on uh, on a request through the master mutual aid agreement to uh, the Smith River complex and other fires in the northern part of the state where they, um, they had wildland fires and wild urban interface fires. Um, this, I've seen, you know, this has been presented to you in the past. Part of this um, that we've been trying to build out as an agency is the use of also single resources, not just our strike team deployments. And these single resources under under the leadership of our mutual aid committee, Chief Baker, and through our Homeland Security Chief, Chief Artisaris Brown, as a development of what we're calling an incident management team um, in an attempt to develop Uh, incident management team type three um, so that we can provide a a framework to management of of incidents in the city uh, but also be deployable as that type of resource Inside of the greater framework, uh, there's multiple names for it. There's a National Disaster Response Framework. There's a National Incident Management System Framework. But these, this is a national system of mutual aid. And we are participants in this national system through our participation in California Task Force 3 uh, We've had dog handlers like our, our friends over here, Chief uh, Chief Miller and his chief, uh, Um And in in over the past couple of years, we've had membership in other portions of this task force. So San Francisco is integrating itself into this national and international response framework. Um, And hopefully we'll see uh, the the greater level of training and the greater level of uh, insight brought back to the city in the event of a calamity here. And then this week, Fleet Week, brings us to the Defense Board of Civilian Authorities, or DISCA, um, for Fleet Week, we're pretty familiar with a lot of the, the like. you see our USAR training with uh, sailors and Marines, and uh, there's me getting to take a, a fun flight on a helicopter. Um, we're pretty familiar with those activities, but in, in the background of that, is the actual work of developing interoperability between the military and civilian authority. And Chief Cannon is doing something that's never been done in the picture on the right, which is patching military radios into a civilian municipal radio system. So with this Fleet Week um, and with this DISCA operation, we were able to achieve uh, air to ground communication with with Navy, helico- Navy and Marine helicopters, we were able to patch military radios in a way that would allow us to speak across the city to each other. Um, and this, as I, it, it was no mean feat. It took a year of planning and uh, technology choices to get us to this place. But San Francisco and this week's support of DISCA is the first time that the military and municipality have been able to achieve this so it's a great great victory for uh chief cannon and for the san francisco fire department as well as the marine and navy who will take this process and be able to operationalize it other places where they plan to support civilian authorities so tremendous and that's the end of the slides as we move to the bureau of fire prevention uh, this week is our uh, Open House Week, um, and Chief Coughlin will present on an initiative he has for um, for a planned general order and uh, an option that's going to go out to the public after uh, operations presents. But I want to thank Chief Coughlin for continuing to be our point of primary communication for our, our streetscapes, for our... Um, monitoring of uh, prevention efforts that are coming through the state, uh, various Senate bills for uh, accessory dwelling units and for the sprinkler uh, inspection and sprinkler installation that's going to come with these uh, dwelling units. And he's, he's, as usual, doing a tremendous job. I'll, I'll let him present, but please note his um, lovely new graphics that he's added to your report. Uh, they were very helpful to me. Uh, With the airport division with uh, Chief Darcy, Um, he's always busy, busy as usual. He's now included in uh, the important APEC meetings um, because the airport's going to be heavily impacted by the APEC summit in in November, um, and he will provide more direct report on that. Uh, Other than that, he, he continues to try and support our Southeast uh, aquatic response with his moose boat. He's training, 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 training. He has some confined space training that he's gonna offer up to not only his staff, but to the membership in the city, which will be a, a great boom for us. And then he is kind of leading the way with a transition from traditional triple uh, F aqueous film forming foam to a non-toxic or a non-harmful version uh, and him and his staff are going to travel to Dallas in the near term uh, to learn how to use it and then operationalize it in the in the city. At the Division of Training, Chief Mao um, is nearing the end of uh, the current academy, uh, the the current academy, the 132nd, began with 58 and is currently at 53. We've released uh, three resignations. We've had to separate two for performance. Um, in addition to that, we have an H3 Level 1 academy uh, with 14 recruits and one has been separated. Uh, but we did graduate four uh, H3 Level 2s uh, and we're happy to see them join the field. Uh, another set of drills that occurred in the month of September was the Bay Ferry exercise, which was not driven by our department, but heavily supported by our department where we conducted shipboard firefighting operations, active shooter uh, response to uh, chemical, biological, nuclear, radioactive uh, event on the water. Uh, a lot of lessons were learned in the support of our, our aquatic resources and our suppression units that, and EMS units that were assigned to the drill were well, well-received, uh, killed it again. Uh, this was also our, our lifting uh, module for the year, uh, the return of our lifting module. So all the work at the muni yard, moving um, the light rail vehicles. Um, it's good to see the resumption of this training in full and it'll be, uh, this time it'll be memorialized by video and heavily distributed to the field. So the training will be expanded beyond a few people who attended or the many people who attended. Um, Chief Mal was able to acquire some uh, donated structures, which we spoke about at the last meeting, and the training there continues in the Sunnydale housing. Um, She would like to continue this MOU and carry this into October, and hopefully she's successful with that. And then, of course, 545 Sansom is supposed to come online as another acquired donated structure, and uh, we hope to see great things come out of that. Uh, You can see some pictures, obviously, of the uh, shipboard firefighting training that was uh, conducted. Um, and again, uh, Chief Cannon's section of the report doesn't generally fall in here, but I wanna thank Chief Cannon for his efforts in uh, at radio, uh, in driving the technology fixes that we need to see with our autonomous vehicles and uh, with the work that he put into DISCA and, and that the results of that that are gonna serve the greater fire service in the military in the years to come. And thank you for your time.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Chief Lumthrop. Madam Secretary, let's do public comment on the Chief's report, CD2.
0: There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on the public comment line.
2: All right. Public comment is closed. Commissioners, any questions or comments for CD2? Commissioner,
3: raise yeah. your- you want to go first?
4: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chief, for your report. <clears throat> um, wow, there's a lot in there. I had a couple questions. One is um, when you were talking about having a fire on the border with another jurisdiction, that's interesting. And do you, this may sound like a naive question, but do you divide the tasks by geography or by? Uh, something specific related to task when there's a fire like that uh, that's across a jurisdiction. How do you do that?
5: Right. So, thank you for the question. This this is kind of uh, a unique situation where literally the the border of the city and the border of the county is in the incident. Right. That's that's not typically um the need for the response generally you would see a fire of this size and multiple jurisdictions responding that it would be based on their proximity to the incident so san mateo units would respond because they are closer to it um, but because if this was in a city and county of san francisco it would be a san francisco response only and we would continue to draw from our jurisdiction to address the fire in the city uh, the way it was divided at this incident was um, primarily based on that boundary. The understanding that the North County units had of the access to the yard. Mm. Um, and then the understanding that we had of the neighborhood and access to the fire building. That was the division. Um, in it would be at the decision of the incident commanders. And if they were operating in that unified command, they would kind of have to decide who was going to take overall command so that there would be one voice speaking, and then they would divide the tasks in that way. Um, it, there's, no, there's no rule that says, hey, that part's in your town, this part's in our town, and that's how we're gonna take care of it. Um, in a larger incident, like if we were talking about uh, acres and acres of brush or wildfire, Um, Sometimes that is how it occurs, Um, but in this particular incident, it was just kind of an accident of the geography.
4: Thank you for your response. It sounds like it went very smoothly anyway. I was just curious if there was a standard, you know, latitude and longitude goes north or south. Uh, Anyway, thank you. And then the only other question I had is you mentioned a structure or building at 545 Sansom that's being donated to us or...? What were you?
5: So, no, it, it's it's not being donated, but there's a, a major renovation planned at that building. It's adjacent to the Transamerica. It's part of the Transamerica site. Um, and the developers have been gracious enough to give us the opportunity to train there in less destructive manners, but we'll, we'll find a good purpose for it. And just- it'll be a great use to us.
4: Because so we have a station right across the street. Yeah, Station 13 is across yeah. the street. Thank you. They're well- looking forward to it a terrific report. I, I thank you for that. And one final question in honor of my excused sister, Commissioner Feinstein. <clears throat> I noticed there were 16 rescues in the elevators at SFO in this report. <laughs> and so I, is that because they're just not good elevators or people don't know how to operate them or uh, some combination of both?
5: Uh, I, will, I will let Chief like Darcy address lot. it. No, uh, it, I think 16 is a reduction from our standard uh, deviation low from the normal, um, and I would say it's probably just the number of elevators in the building.
2: Chief, uh, do you would you like Chief Dorsey to respond to that, or
5: no, no, we'll leave him in his seat. He's comfortable okay. back there. All
2: right. Thank you, Commissioner Frazier. All right, Vice President Morgan. Oh,
3: yeah, thank you for your uh, report, Chief Um uh, Yeah, uh, Commissioner. Uh, Frazier stole my question. (laughs) No, but that was good. So I got part of, you know, most of the answer I was searching for. I noticed um, about the Bayshore uh, fire, um, there's two different addresses. It's probably the same building. I know in the video it showed 2630 Bayshore, but in the paperwork here it shows 2634. Is that the same building basically
5: it, they're not necessarily oh. the same building so i left 2330 right. in the slide deck because that was the address reported to us mm-hmm. and it's highlighted there in in your report that 2634 is listed with a dc address so that is daily city oh, so I see. our initial report to our box right. that's right. one of our box numbers mm-hmm. was in the city of san francisco so i just left that in Yeah.
3: So now, you know, get another way to look at it with the mutual aid uh, type of agreement is like whoever gets there first, basically, takes command in a sense, like if Daily City got there first, or?
5: I don't think Chief Rabbit would let Daily uh, City. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it would be whose jurisdiction you're okay. in. Okay, right? yeah.
3: You know, like, uh, say for instance, you know, like, God forbid, uh, you know, I, I, I guess the Cow Palace is kind of on a split. You know, property line between Daly City and San Francisco, and you know, yeah. God forbid anything happened there, but that's a lot of area to cover, you know. I mean, would they, you know, if they got there first, would they kind of take command or would San Francisco? I'm putting you on the spot
5: here, huh? Yeah, I'm not going to come. We, Daly, s- Daily City would definitely respond if the Cow Palace was also on fire. Um, we, we'd kind of be in the same boat. Um, uh-huh. I think what would end up occurring in that circumstance is the amount of resources that San Francisco would provide put San Francisco in the primary. Um, and we would definitely involve them in uh-huh. the overall incident, yes.
3: Uh, but most likely they'd get there first. Uh, they're
5: very close, but we're very close, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I was just curious. And we're pretty good at getting there pretty quick. Yeah, I don't want to take a bet.
3: <laughs> All right. Thank you for your report, Chief. Okay. okay. Thank
2: you very much, uh, Vice President Morgan. I'm going to take off a little bit off that last question that the VP asked about jurisdiction. Cal Palace might be a good example. I'm hearing that D- in that instance, as an example, D.C. and San would respond in my mind is okay if that's the case and he talked about whoever gets there first i'm looking at the question of who then is the command who who takes charge in that fire and i know it's mutual but can you run that by me a little bit
5: so in general it would be the jurisdiction so it would be the location of the fire okay would be the primacy, but uh, in the In the example of North san Mateo county um, and this is nothing against them they they have a giant mountain in the middle of their response area okay uh, so their ability to to provide resources to that incident in a timely manner versus our ability to provide resources to that incident in a timely manner, we would quickly overwhelm them in number of resources okay um, it, historically well they may maintain overall incident command. The control of our resources would definitely be in the hands of okay. our chief officers, yes.
2: And that exchange would happen probably, again, help me, I don't want to go on drift away here, but that would happen at the incident command with t- between the coordination between the two yeah, that's incident correct. commanders? Chiefs. Yes. And when you say mountain, and we're talking about cow pals, you're talking about San Bruno? Yes. Oh, okay, thank you, thank you for that. Let me have uh, a little bit more in terms of your report. Uh, In terms of the great alarm, um, 2975 Mission Street to alarm. uh, This is a really detailed write-up. He's a good writer. Detailed. And, again, when I read this much detail, it's it's good. So I have a tendency to ask who wrote this narrative. Is that uh, Chief Rabbit? Did you write uh, this yourself? Rabbit? Is that uh, who wrote it up? Come on up. I appreciate it, Chief Lumpthrow. Welcome. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but rarely do we get opportunities to get some expertise from the members of the Department Assistant Chiefs, like uh, Chief Dorff. Please, uh, can you answer my question in terms of the write-up?
6: Yes, President Nakaja, what was the question? Sorry.
2: I basically said that this second alarm, (laughs) excuse me, the write-up is really... well written up it's really detailed i mean if i don't hear the report from the chief and i read this thing it's it's really detailed but what comes in my mind as well is that it sounds like a very complex fire chief lumthrop and so i just wanted to kind of get a, a feel as to who wrote this up that's my question
6: okay thank you um, president nakajo vice president morgan and commissioner frazier as well as the command staff um Patrick Rabbit, Assistant Chief, Division Three. This was my incident. Um, I relieved uh, Battalion Six Chief Kevin McEwen of command. We had a really good face-to-face transfer of command. uh, where We we immediately identified uh, where we were operating in the alley and the need to address this fire from the front. Um, The write-up was done as a collaboration uh, the next day, I spoke with all chiefs on scene again after a, after action uh, review of the incident on scene uh, to continue to gather the facts and the timeline so I could accurately report this to uh, Chief Lutrup of our actions on scene. Um, this report is my best attempt to be chronological in our initial actions as well as our change in strategy and to deploy our offensive uh, firefighting tactics from Mission Street once we um, receive confirmation of the addresses.
2: I, I really appreciate that because, again, I wanted to know who wrote it because it's really detailed. Detailed to me means it's written really well. And I appreciate yourself, just like Chief Zordy here, in that you folks were you were the commanders at the incident. I appreciate uh, Chief Lunthrop in the narrative as well. But, again, it's detailed. The photos help, Chief, as well as the narrative. And it just reeks to me as a challenging fire, even though it says... Uh, Two alarms. I know every incident has its different challenges, but this definitely sounded like a couple of challenges as you narrated, Chief. So thank you for that. I just wanted to acknowledge you in terms of that uh, write-up. You did a hell of a good job. Right. Thank you. Thank, thank you. I got a couple of more questions, Chief. Uh, I appreciate your mutual aid presentation. I was kind of waiting for when is that going to happen, and uh, you slipped it in today, which is really good because it made a lot of sense. And it answered questions as to when does that mutual aid kick in and the clear definition of that, because I know that that's really important. I appreciate that. Um, my other question is not on the report, but there was an incident of another tent fire. I don't know if you can respond on Octavia and Fell Street. And I know that the Housing Association or the CBD down at that area were concerned because of that major fire we had, Octavia and Fell. Is that investigation concluded, Chief, as to the origin of that fire?
5: So I'd have to get back to you on any specific incident. I I don't have that in hand. I know uh, Chief Coughlin has been working with many of the supervisor's office on the rash of what were being reported as small outside fires, not necessarily encampment fires. Um, as they've been impinging on the structure, we've asked for the, our Bureau of Fire Investigation 4710 to become involved um, at times. Uh, the volume at this point, we've gone from 2,700 in uh, 2018 to 6,000 this year so far, uh, for outside fires. Um, the ability for our Bureau of Fire Investigation to address all of these is limited, so if it was clear that it was started by a tent and the tent impinged on the structure, Uh, the investigation may go no further than the incident commander on scene the battalion chief that responds, um, and the the report could be complete, but I would need to know the specifics of the incident.
2: Okay, so that that answers the question in terms of um, there was questions about a tent fire is a tent fire, but outside fire has its definitions as as well, and then to that is the origin source of that fire on our team. So to me, it's three three issues, but the, the, the concern I have, again, beyond the 10 fires, is uh, I understand there's propane tanks, yeah. depending upon what that is. And again, what I understand is that if there's a propane tank, if there's a fire, it's just like a, a bomb. I don't know what the phrase would be, but it would explode, I assume. So thank you for that, Chief. <coughs> I, I, we would be. Um, interested in what that source is. Eventually, after that investigation is concluded.
5: Yeah, I'm sorry, President Cut. So, are you speaking of the Octavia Fourth Alarm, or are we?
2: I'm talking about both. I'm talking oh, about content okay. but that some of the associations referred to as the origin of the Four Alarm Fire, and I know the Four Alarm Fire had an investigation. And I just asked if it was concluded because I'm curious as well as to what that origin was.
5: Yeah, I don't believe that investigation is concluded.
2: Okay. Okay. So whenever that is, Chief. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and
5: thank you for pointing out uh, Chief Rabbit's fine work. He kind of he he soft pedaled his response, but what he what he's done is aggregated a bunch of um, reports that he receives he immediately post fire. He gets them by the end of the watch, so that's all the technical detail that is in the report. Um, but his narrative was. Uh, very strong,
2: and yeah, I appreciate I mean, it mean, you get out there in the incident, all this is going on, and then you try to talk to everybody and you put it into a summary. I mean, I'm telling you, great job. Yep. All right, I got a couple more. Uh, in terms of uh, airport division, I just wanted to say that I'm impressed with and pleased with this newsletter. I don't know uh, if this is a results of the newsletters that came out out of uh, fire prevention but these newsletters help Uh, the photos help Uh, the pictures help the description helps Uh, the curiosity um, the dedication uh, to our members i just wanted to say to you chief darcy very much uh, in terms of appreciation uh moving on in terms of the division of training I know that the public doesn't have our packages, but, Chief, there's a picture on page 30. Do you have that package, Chief? I do. And I know that Chief Ma is out in the audience as well, but do you see that picture on page 30, that large class? Yes. That's a large class. Can you explain who that is? I
5: I believe this would be the 132nd conducting some of their outside fire training and so they they are a class of they started with 58 and so they're down to 55 and for us to achieve our goals uh, and replacement of our staffing um post-covid and with our inability to hire during the pandemic we're going to need classes of this size for the foreseeable future
2: okay that's great and again chief ma i just wanted to acknowledge these photos that are in our package uh, it greatly helps the commission in terms of the description. Uh, Chief up on page 36 is a graduation picture of, do uh, you see it with yes. Chief Nicholson? Is that the EMT graduation that recently occurred?
5: Yeah, this is the, the class of, uh, this was uh, the level twos, I believe. And they, they started with five, they graduated four, and this is the H3 Level 1 to Level 2 Advancement Academy. Oh no, this is the H3 Level 2 graduation, when they graduated four.
7: All right,
2: again, I just wanted to acknowledge and perhaps by the time we conclude this calendar year, we might be able to get Chief Ma up here to kind of do a narration in terms of the division of training so that we can hear from her before the conclusion of the year since she's been in that position. Thank you very much Chief. My pleasure. For your comprehensive report. All right. We conclude with that. Madam Secretary.
0: Item 5. Resolution 2023-03. Discussion and possible action regarding proposed resolution 2023-03 recommending that the Board of Supervisors authorize the San Francisco Fire Department to accept a fiscal year 2022 Port Security Grant Program award valued at $112,500 from the US Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Emergency Management Agency to purchase and provide shipboard firefighting training to members.
2: All right, thank you very much, Madam Secretary. Good morning, Director Corso.
8: Good morning, President Nakajo, Vice President Morgan, Mr. Frazier, Chief, Command Staff, uh, Mark Corso, Finance and Planning. Generally, I am here before you with bad news, but occasionally I like to sprinkle in a a little good news. Um, So I'll make some general comments on the next four items and then get into specifics. Um, Here to make a brief presentation on the next four items, uh, three of which are grants we've recently received uh, one of which is a donation, which my understanding is, needs to be uh, heard at the next meeting because uh, fortunately, since the last, uh, since I had submitted the information, the actual donation amount has increased. Uh, and so my understanding is it needs to be uh, reagendized agendized uh, for a future meeting. Uh, but the reasoning behind it is good. We will be receiving an even larger donation. So um, I can speak to that when that comes up. But in general, uh, we have been very busy with grants recently. Um, as we always are, but even more so in the uh, kind of difficult fiscal environment we are in. Uh, I want to thank our grant writer, uh, Shiloh Cahoe. Uh, I want to thank Assistant Deputy Chief Erica artis Brown. Uh, and I want to thank De- Assistant Deputy Chief uh, of Support Services, uh, Mike Mullen, for both assisting in the planning and execution of the grants that we have going on. Uh, quite a bit of activity there. Um, we also have a number of our community paramedicine folks have been busy, uh, on a few different opportunities, which will be heard at a future meeting. We're wrapping up some of the documentation on those items. Um, but here before you on the next few, uh, the first item, which, uh, uh Ms. Conniffy called was a, a request for that. We had submitted, uh, for an award f- with port security grant through FEMA. Uh, this is for $112,500. This is for. The goal of this grant program is an annual program to help assist with port security uh, and defending waterfront. Uh, And for this particular project we had applied for, it's uh, some shipboard firefighter training. Uh, And so we requested the funding uh, to assist with that. We're currently developing the specs and curriculum uh, for that training. before you is a request to approve this item. Uh, This is one of the steps that we have for formal acceptance through the city. Any grant above $100,000 needs to go through a formal approval process at the Board, and this at the Fire Commission is the first level of that. So I'm happy to answer any questions on this grant.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Director Corso. Colleagues, we're talking about Item 5, Resolution 2023-03. We'll take public comment on this item first, please.
0: There is nobody approaching the podium, and nobody on the public comment line. All
2: right, public comment is closed. Commissioners, your pleasure, please.
3: Yeah, I just want to say congratulations, Mr. Corso, on the uh, on getting these grants. Thank you. I think uh, the timing is impeccable. It's great, especially with all the crazy stuff going on in the world, <laughs> you know. So this is, yeah, I'm, this is. I just want to, you know, commend you on this and great job. Thank you. you know? That's all i got to say.
2: Thank you, Commissioner Frazier.
4: Thank you for your presentation, Mr. Corso. Can we just move these forward? Your pleasure, Commissioner. All right. I so move that we accept the uh, the grant as right. as described by Mr.
2: Corso. OK, this is item five, Commissioner. Thank you very much for that motion. We need a second, please. Thank
3: you. Uh, yeah, I'd like to make a motion to, uh, to to persuade the city supervisors to accept
0: these grants.
2: Thank you very much for your second, Vice President Mm -hmm. Morgan. Madam
0: Secretary. President Nakaja, how do you vote? I vote aye. The grant is approved unanimously. Director Corsell, please continue. Item six, resolution 2023-04, discussion and possible action regarding proposed resolution 2023-04 recommending the Board of Supervisors authorize the San Francisco Fire Department to accept a fiscal year 2023 Port Security Grant Program award valued at $485,610 from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. And the Federal Emergency Management Agency to purchase water rescue equipment, develop a, marine t- a maritime operation command center, and cybersecurity enhancements.
2: Director Corso,
8: thank you again, Mark Corso, Finance and Planning. This is for a similar grant program or same grant program, different fiscal year. Um, the port security grant again focused on port security and waterfront uh, response and protection. Uh, For this round, we requested three projects and we were approved for all three. Uh, The first was some water rescue equipment, some inflatable platforms for water response. Uh, The second was to establish an operations uh, center uh, on the waterfront uh, and some communications and um, IT equipment for that. And the last project was for uh, some cybersecurity enhancements for the fireboat, some of the equipment that we have on that and computers uh, on the vessel as well. Uh, SO THIS IS A LARGER AWARD, uh, TOTAL PROJECTS uh, WHEN COMBINED WITH THE FEDERAL AMOUNT AND THE CITY'S MATCHING FUNDS, OVER $500,000, AND I'M HAPPY TO ANSWER ANY QUESTIONS.
2: THANK YOU VERY MUCH. WE'LL TAKE PUBLIC COMMENT ON THIS ITEM, MADAM SECRETARY.
0: THERE IS NOBODY APPROACHING THE PODIUM AND NOBODY ON THE PUBLIC COMMENT LANE.
2: ALL RIGHT, PUBLIC COMMENT IS CLOSED ON THIS ITEM. COMMISSIONERS, QUESTIONS, COMMENTS? Uh COMMISSIONER FRASER.
4: Thank you. Uh, thank you, Director Corso. With all the increased, it looks like steadily increasing activity on our waterfront and on our bay, I absolutely see no reason not to move this grant forward and accept it. I think it's, it's fantastic. So, thank you. congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Commissioner Frazier. Is that a motion, Commissioner?
4: I move to accept. Commissioner,
2: Vice President? I vote aye. Go?
0: All right. Madam Secretary? Vice President, or President Nakajo, how do you vote? I vote aye. It is adopted unanimously.
2: Madam Secretary, item 7.
0: Item 7, resolution 2023-05, discussion and possible action regarding proposed resolution 2023-05, recommending that the Board of Supervisors authorize the San Francisco Fire Department to accept and expend Assistance to Firefighters Grant Program funding and the amount, of two million three hundred twenty-five thousand one hundred thirty-three dollars and eighty-one cents from the Federal Emergency Management Agency to purchase personal protection equipment.
2: Director Corso,
8: thank you again, uh, President Nacasio. This is a award from FEMA, an award from FEMA, uh, the Assistance to Firefighters Grant Program. Uh, one of the goals of this grant is operations and safety for firefighter, uh, fire departments. Uh, that includes training equipment, personal protective equipment, PPE, uh, and wellness and fitness. And our request, uh, fit under the PPE personal protective equipment. Uh, we requested to purchase, um, and be allocated an award to replace, uh, outdated personal protective equipment. We're talking about the turnout coats and pants that, uh, firefighters wear and, um, that help protect them in incidents. We have a number of units that are past their uh, recommended lifespan, as well as uh, there's been a number of advancements on the technological side uh, as far as improved safety of these units. So we requested in our application 1,100 coats and uh, almost 600 pants, uh, and that would be replacing outdated uh, equipment for our members. Happy to answer any questions.
2: Thank you very much, Director Corso. At this point, we'll take public comment on this item, please.
0: There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on our public comment line.
2: All right, public comment is closed on this item. Vice President Morgan. Yeah,
3: Mr. Corso, there wouldn't be any crazy reason why the city couldn't come up with our part of the funding, right, to supplement these grants or make them happen
8: so in general all three of these grants that's a good question and i failed to mention there is a matching requirement uh but we have identified funding in our budget to to uh offset that so we should be good okay Mr.
3: Fraser,
2: any questions <laughs> or is there a motion vice president morgan
3: i'd like to make a motion to accept these grants and recommend the board of supervisors to accept these grants
0: these great grants
2: thank you very much uh, vice president morgan like to second it. Thank you very much. It's
4: Commissioner. A no-brainer.
0: Fr-
2: Commissioner Frazier.
0: President Nakajo, how do you vote? I vote aye. It is adopted unanimously. Item 8, Resolution 2023-06 will be continued to the next commission meeting.
2: All right. Is there any remarks at this point, Director Corso, on this item beyond being continued?
8: No, I apologize for the confusion on it, but we were just informed of a formal uh, donation of additional units. So this is for the acceptance of donation of uh, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide alarms, uh, which our outreach and public safety teams uh, give out uh, to uh, underprivileged communities, the elderly, and other, at other safety events, uh, and so we were just informed that there's going to be quite an additional significant um, add to this donation, uh, which would require it to come back because it had already been posted on the agenda. So uh, I apologize for the confusion, but we'll have that before you at the next meeting.
2: All right. Thank you, Director Corso. We're going to continue this item, Madam Secretary. Thank you for the good news, Director Corso. Appreciate it. Thank you. Congratulations. Much appreciation to all of the staff who worked on this.
0: Item 9, Fire Department Administrative Bulletin 4.05, Discussion and Possible Action to Adopt the Fire Department Administrative Bulletin 4.05 as Presented.
2: All right. Good morning. Welcome, Fire Marshal.
9: Good morning, thank you. Uh, President Ocasio, Vice President Morgan, Commissioner Fraser, Marine, Command Staff Chief. And Jen, hi. (laughs) Uh, Assistant Deputy Chief Ken Coughlin, Fire Prevention. Um, So I'm doing a presentation on, we're updating an administrative bulletin, which uh, as you remember from back in uh, December, they all go through the commission. um, About a new product we're actually uh, adding to um, what's available for uh, building owners here in San Francisco. Uh, What you see on the screen there is uh, a fire department uh, connection lock. I brought uh, some samples here if you'd like to play with them a little bit here. So, uh, you know, why do we need locking caps? Well, they protect the inlet where we, the fire department suppression members pull up and they put water into the sprinkler system or standpipe system. Without a cap on it, obviously people put various debris in there cans, trash, cigarette butts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and uh, vandalize them and can hurt the threads. So when our units pull up and they go to put water in the system, there's a chance that it may not be operable for them. So I just wanted to go over a couple things about the, the lock itself. Uh, this was specially made for San Francisco because we have three-inch inlet connections and outlet OJL, connections. hold you up
2: for a moment? You have that lock there, Chief, you said?
9: This is the lock here.
2: Could you please pass that up here so the vice president and the commissioners could play with it or look at it or examine it? I guess the word is examine it.
3: Whoa, this thing's heavy.
2: Okay.
9: All right. So as you see there, uh, as I was saying about Knox, because we used three-inch, they actually had to special make this one for San Francisco. Um, We worked with them for about six months on it. Um, We've tried out we had some samples of it Uh, As you can see that there is a swivel guard on the outside that prevents uh, damage and theft of the actual Inlet because there's a set screw on them. So they offer that protection cap on it Uh, It unlocks Via this key That will be issued to all the companies and it doesn't get sent with the caps when you order them, but actually it is kept for the fire department's use only. So when it gets to be installed, they actually have to call the fire department out. Fire prevention will go out and we'll lock these on the building. Um, we also offer uh, a second product, or we are offering a second product, which is a standpipe lock. Um, why are we offering this? This, While it most likely will be used inside of buildings, inside the stairwell, uh, as we know, recently there was some damage. And like that, over, well, I believe, 100 Van Ness cost over $20 million worth of damage. As they opened up easily, you can just walk up yourself and open up a standpipe in the stairwell. And by the time somebody notices something's happening, you've flooded multiple floors. Um, so this is uh, completely voluntary. I'm going to pass this one around too. Please be careful; it is it is heavy. I see
2: it.
3: Oh
9: God! Both the uh, the standpipe, uh, the standpipe, and the fire department connection both use the same key, so we won't have different ones for the fire department. Uh, I'm just going to go read the bulletin real quick. Previously, the bulletin just says. That uh, you have to have a metal cap that's removable and replaceable. Um, so, what we've added on to is the locking caps that the fire marshal approves the use of this for both the inlet and outlet uh, to restrict tampering with these uh, connections. They will be required on new buildings only. So, new construction that has a sprinkler system or a standpipe system. And then for those we can require, or the fire marshal's office and my inspectors can ask them to put one on. For those that you habitually find caps are missing, they're damaged, there's items stored in there, or thrown in there, um, inside there, those could also be asked to uh, place them. Uh, there's a price tag on them, I'll be honest with you. The caps for the outlets are around $300, $325, and that heavy standpipe lock is around $700 or $725, and that's to be ordered directly from the manufacturer. So I we want to offer products out there that keeps our systems working and making them readily available for us.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Fire Marshal. Let's do some public comment on this first before the commissioners ask their questions or comments.
0: There is nobody approaching the podium and nobody on the public comment line.
2: All right. Public comment is closed. Commissioners, any clarification questions in terms of?
3: I guess this one costs more, right? Because it's a lot heavier. Yeah, it's <laughs> about
9: twice as much.
3: That's 750 bucks. That approximately, mean? yes. And how much? And how much is that one? Uh, 325. Oh, okay.
9: All right. All right.
3: He
2: can haul this. I can barely pick this one up, and <laughs> no. it's lighter. $350? 350 bucks.
9: 350 bucks, approximately, yes. All
2: right. So my clarification: two different locks on the building one on the outside one in the inside is that what i'm hearing? correct
9: yes that's for the outside that's for the inlet that's where we put water into the system the other one's a standpipe which is the outlet that's where we take water from we connect uh, a connection on there and take the hoses off and go fight the fire from there so that's meant to go in the stairwells okay okay
2: Uh, only required of new construction
9: only the one you have the inlet connection the outlet connection is purely voluntary
2: Purity voluntary? Yes.
9: To the building owner. To the building owner. We're not requiring it. Some have asked and we've gotten, that's part of the reason why we actually introduced this product. We've been asked that some are concerned regarding a couple of buildings that had some recent flooding and they would like to go ahead and protect their property for some, a $20,000 investment could save them $20 million later down the line.
2: Uh, And the property owner is responsible for the purchase and installation of the locks?
9: The property is uh, responsible for ordering. They order directly from Knox online. Uh, there will be a link on our department website that will allow them to order it. But to lock them on there, they will need to call the Bureau of Fire Prevention who will go out there, make sure that they're, they're the correct ones and will actually lock them in place.
2: Okay. Last question for me. That key? Every engine truck has that key?
9: Yes. Every engine and truck and company will be distributed keys, uh, a minimum of three keys for use on it. Yes.
2: So if they respond to a fire, that truck or engine, boss, somebody is responsible to have that key? Chief?
5: Yeah, so with the issuance of the general order and the equipment, uh, the expectation will be that that key is with the other standpipe equipment and with the driver who would make the connection at the street. Uh, They will have three available, so there's a spare plus plus one to the interior and one to the exterior of the building, and then every unit on scene would have
2: three available. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much, Fire Marshal. Commissioner, it's your pleasure, please. Commissioner Frazier.
4: I did get a chance to handle this before the meeting. Thank you for your report. I can't see any reason why not to use them. I mean, they're somewhat expensive, but I would guess that at a certain point, their insurance would respond with a little bit of a break if building owners install these things over time. Yes,
9: yeah, so they're, they're, they're a well-made product. So yes, yeah. they are a little pricey. Um, mm-hmm. I have faith in them. I've seen them in many other jurisdictions on a regular basis mm-hmm. and have not heard anything negative about them. Yeah,
2: I think it's great. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Vice President Morgan, are we ready to t- call for the question?
3: Yeah, you, you pretty much answered my question. Chief Luthrop did, because I didn't want a fire truck to roll up to a fire. Oh, we forgot our key. <laughs> You know, and that that could be bad, you know what I mean? But you guys answered my question, so. And it makes sense.
2: All right, Commissioner, this is action item, right? Fire Marshal? Correct. Your pleasure, please, commissioners. I need a motion. Uh, oh.
4: Okay, yeah. motion to adopt the, the the new addition to the administrative bulletin.
2: Thank you, by, uh, thank
4: you Commissioner
3: Frazier. I second.
2: Thank you very much, Vice President Morgan.
0: President Nakajo, how do you vote? I vote aye. It's unanimous. Administrative Bulletin 4.05 has been adopted. Thank
2: you uh, very much, Fire Marshal. You can now nah, you can have come back. And, you know, yeah. All right, let's get ready for our presentation.
0: Item 10 Presentation and Update on City EMT Program. Attica Bowden, founder of City EMT and the Workforce Development Team to provide an update and presentation on the City EMT program, a nonprofit organization targeting the un- underrepresented in the first responder career sector.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, welcome, Attica Bowden. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for the members of the City EMT team that's here. Welcome, congratulations, and please share with the rest of the commissioners your experience within our department as well, because you've been recently retired, but welcome. Good morning.
10: Thank you so much, uh, President Nakajo. I want to thank, I want to just start by thanking numerous people. I definitely want to thank Chief Nicholson and her command staff. Um, I definitely want to thank the DEI staff, uh, Assistant Deputy Chief, Sean Buford, and all of his amazing team. And most importantly, the staff of EMS from Chief Tong down to the preceptors who are truly making a difference in a good and or bad experience to our students who do their ride-alongs, who participate in the 9910 um, 10 internship. And to those who have put in all of the hard work to become full-time EMTs with, with San Francisco Fire Department. As I look behind me and greeted a lot of what we call those in gold. There's very few that sit behind me that don't have some hand in assisting us in the partnership with the fire department. So I really want to thank them all. They're all very humble um, in our ask. I want to first introduce myself. Um, My name is Attica Bouton. I am a native San Franciscan. I grew up in the Fillmore District. I am a retired um, assistant fire marshal from the San Francisco Fire Department. I retired last June, completing 25 years of service in the department. When I walked into the department in 1997, we had approximately 40 African-American females. As I... um, excitedly completed my 25th year walking out there were maybe 25 african-american females not an increase but a decrease i realized that the continued recruitment meant more than being a representation by being in uniform that it was going to take more than that That is part of what created the need for this Pathways program called City EMT. In early 2020, I began speaking about creating this Pathway program, and I was initially led to who I call my little brother. His name is Lieutenant Antoine Davis. He's also the president of the San Francisco Black Firefighters Association. Together, we met with the executive director of a program that was already in existence in Alameda County called EMS Corps. We began pitching the program to potential viable stakeholders um, and almost as, Christmas, as a Christmas present at the end of 2020, we received word from the Office of Economic uh, Workforce and Development that the nonprofit organization I founded titled Dusty's Fishing Wheel, would receive a $200,000 uh, pilot program funding for our very first cohort for City EMT. We helped that very first cohort in January of 2021. Though we have started this program with lots of wrinkles to iron out the, along the way, We, the City EMT family, have established an amazing program that is truly changing the trajectory of our young adult lives, who otherwise might not have been afforded access to such a great opportunity. It is impossible for us to provide this opportunity without my team. We call ourselves a family. I wanna give you, I wanna give some space for a few of our staff and alumni members to speak in the lane in which they hold within our program. So I wanna introduce to you the person who's really um, boots to ground for us, and that is my program director. Her name is Christine Heisen. She's gonna speak to some of where we are now and some of our current successes.
2: Welcome.
11: Good morning. <clears throat> My name is Christine Heisen and I have been a part of city ENT since cohort one in February of 2021. That cohort along with all the ones that followed had their ups and downs and taught us exactly what we needed to be better, not only for ourselves, but for those in our community. With now five cohorts under our belt and halfway through our sixth, we have accepted around 113 young adults. 88, uh, I'm sorry. We have accepted 113 young adults. Of those 113, 78 of them have successfully completed and graduated from City ENT, 72 of our alumni, have passed the National Registry, which is the NREMT, and around 40 of them have all been placed in jobs either through our partnership with the San Francisco Fire Department or private ambulance companies such as AMR, Royal Ambulance, Eagle Ambulance, King American, and FALC. With the success of each class, it has allowed for us to also increase, increase our class size by 10 in the past two years. Cohort one, we had 14. With this current class, cohort six, we now have 25 students in the class. One thing that makes City EMT stand out from other programs is our continued alumni support. Our students know that they can come to us even after they graduate as we always reassure them that once they are accepted into City EMT, we are all family. And we will always do what we can to help them. Hmm. I now would like to introduce one of our alumni from Cohort Three, Anthony Laws. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Welcome.
12: Good morning. I would just like to speak on. Um, where I was before City EMT and where I am now.
2: Sir, could you speak a little bit in the microphone? Because we really want to hear you.
12: I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, Fantastic. we are now. Before City EMT, I felt like I was drifting through my life as COVID-19 had just been announced as a global pandemic. At the time I was going to college and decided to take a year off because of distant Zoom learning. And I started working in a warehouse. When I was working in a warehouse, I didn't really feel like my life was going anywhere. And I felt like I was still drifting in life. Until a year later, in 2020, I heard about this program called City MT. I then applied. And the following year in February was when I started. Um, And February 8th, well, a few days before February, I got my acceptance letter. Uh, that said, February 8th. Once I saw February 8th, I was like, okay, I gotta get out of here. So I pre prematurely quit my job, and um, I then later le- later read that um, the city ent the class didn't start until 20, 20 days later on the 28th. So I was like, oh man, I'm out of a job, but this is the only this is the thing I need to do. I can't go back. I I need all my eggs in this one basket. So uh, I powered through. I completed the, the class. Uh, and CDMT has helped me ever since that time. From uh, the NREMT to the San Francisco Fire Department internship, the 9910 program that they offer, that opportunity has been afforded to me because I've gone to CDMT. That's purely because of City EMT, and I don't think I would have ever have been afforded that opportunity if I went anywhere else. Um, this program is to help minorities like myself and young people um, given the same opportunity that everybody else has. And they've bestowed an opportunity like this to talk in front of all of you wonderful people. I wouldn't have that opportunity if if I didn't go to CDMT at all. They helped me throughout uh, my my interview process, which I am right now, I'm trying to work for um, the fire department, uh, level one H3. And they've been there helping me with interview prep. They've been just giving me a safe space to, be myself and be nervous about things and tell me it's all right. Um, my, uh, all right uh, this program is a wonderful program in that it uplifts uh, young people, and it supports them regardless of what they choose to do with their lives. Uh, like Christine said, um, once you're part of City EMT, you're always going to be part of City EMT, and that separates them from a lot of EMT programs that they um, uplift and support uh, their alumni throughout their lives. And I just want to say thank you for uh, letting me speak, and I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you you very much. Hold up for a second. Yes, of course. What's your name, please?
12: My name is Anthony Laws.
2: Say that again, please.
12: Anthony Laws, L-A-W-S.
2: Yeah, I want to remember that because uh, I appreciate your comments and you coming up here this morning. Well, thank Sharon. you, sir. It's really important. Thank I, you very much for that.
12: I appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Okay.
10: Thank you. Well, that almost brought me to tears. <laughs> you don't know what you do for the students until sometimes they're speaking it for, for you. So I'm very happy for him. Um, I want to introduce to you. Lieutenant Antoine Davis, and I'll just give you a briefing about um, the growth of our connection. It feels like we have been um, attached to the hip forever. But I think I've known Antoine for, what, three or four years. And in that time, we have a bond that is almost um, sister brother. Like I said, I call him my little brother. Antoine comes in from day one. He's tireless in the energy that he provides as a mentor and a liaison to these students. Um, By the time I've called him and tried to check in and say, hey, I need you to talk to this person or this young person, he always says, say less. It's already been done. And so he is always uh, on top of it. And I definitely want to give him a space to speak on where he comes from. He participated in a program uh, just like this, which was EMS course, so he can definitely speak to the students to say, I've been there where you are, um, just in participating in a program like this. But also to speak about making the decisions and trusting the process. Because sometimes young adults don't trust the process, and they decide it's taken too long. Um, And he's able, in his conversations, to keep the students on track after we've done some of the initial curriculum footwork. So I want to allow him a couple of minutes to speak. Lieutenant Davis.
2: Thank you very much. Good morning, Lieutenant Davis.
13: Good morning, Mr. President, Kajo, Supervisors our commissioners, my apologies, Frazier, Mr. Morgan. Thank you guys. Thank you command staff. Yeah. So my backstory a little bit with the program, I went through a program called EMS Corps in Alameda County, which is essentially a sister brother program to EMS to city EMT. And in that program, we have a similar blueprint. However, in San Francisco, we still do things our way, very traditional to the fire department that has been proven successful. Um, and i just like to thank the staff of City EMT and the hard work they put in every day, day in and day out to truly make an impact on the students. As you see from the success rate, one thing that I would like to reiterate is our students, this is a foundation for our students. Everybody does not want to be a firefighter or work in the San Francisco Fire Department. However, we do have a large number that do, and we do everything we can and in our power to ensure that they're on the right path and doing everything the right way to become a quality candidate for the city and county of San Francisco. With that also being said, we do have students in med school, nursing school, um, future dispatchers in other areas and avenues throughout the entire city and county and the world. One of our students wants to be, uh, I believe it's called Doctors Without Borders. So she wants to travel the world and she's on her way and she will be starting med school soon. So City MT is a foundation for our students to achieve anything that they would like with the assistance of the staff and have the resources to do so as well, which is something that is, uh, is not consistent across the board. And we we're being able to bridge that gap and we we're very successful at it. So I wanna thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys for allowing us to speak. Thank the command staff for their support in, uh, in this program and supporting the young kids and the future leaders of the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you very
10: much, Lieutenant. So I'll close it out with, I think we've talked about where we started, a little of where we are. I think one of the things that um, we do uh, pride ourselves on that the program director may not have spoke to about our data is that we have an 85% first-time attempt um, successful passing rate for the National Registry. So we actually uh, are 12% over the national standard, which is uh, really good. To speak to, and so we're really happy about that process. So, so where do we uh, want to be? I want to uh, thank the OEW uh, OEWD team, who are also. Always here for us. We've done lots of um, weekend texting and uh, troubleshooting before Mondays come, and I want they even come no matter where we are to support us. So at least at minimal, want them to stand so that I can recognize them. You have Charlie Paisley Janan and France Lau. I thank you very much for always supporting us and Jeff Mowry, I didn't see you sneaking there, Jeff and Jeff Mowry, I missed them. So where do we wanna be? We wanna to continue to nurture definitely this relationship um, and our as uh, OEWD is our primary funder. But I do wanna to say to the San Francisco Fire Department that we need your continued support to keep this amazing program open and available. I wanna thank again Chief Nicholson and more Corso because they work so diligently to keep our current partnership afloat. We look forward to uh, and hope that we can have further discussions to one day solidify um, that partnership with even being a possible line item in the budget. I did say the B word, sorry about that. (laughs) All right, Um, my zest is to continue, uh, my zest is to continue to continue is even more ignited than when we first started this notion, when this notion was first conceived. Because I have so many individual testimonies from our alumni telling me with so much sincerity how this program has, um, how much this program has done so much more than them just getting their EMT certification. It's changed their outlook on life, it has pivoted their belief in themselves, As uh, Anthony Law said, provided them a safe space to release their frustrations of disappointment in achieving their goals. As one of my shining alumni always says, this is her second home, her safe space, and she needs to come to us sometimes to just merely get grounded. I wanna thank President Nakajo again for allowing us to come. I thank you, Vice President Morgan, for listening. I thank you, Commissioner Fraser, as well, for listening um, to this great program, and I wanna open the floor to you for any additional questions.
2: Thank you very much uh, for that presentation. Uh, let me take care of some business to see if we can knock off while accomplished public comment first, and then we'll take some questions sure. or comments. Any public comment, Madam Secretary?
0: Nobody's approaching the podium, and there is nobody on our public Hold and nobody on the public comment line. (laughs) All right, public
2: comment is closed. Uh, We'll take some questions or comments from the commissioners. And um, before we do that, if I may, Attica Bowen, uh, we have, uh, and you mentioned the economic workforce staff team that's here as well. And uh, I know that Jana Howell is here as well. So I'd like to hear from the department's component as well to uh, conclude our presentation a little bit. Please, if you want to join and talk from the department's uh, perspective, and I know you have your team members out there as well. Uh, I just personally just want to acknowledge a a dear friend and a colleague, Mr. Jeff Morris. Absolutely. who just recently retired as a city employee uh, working with this team as well, but uh, it's really important. Good morning to you. Good
7: morning. Thank you for having us this morning. I am Janann Howell, Deputy Director of Workforce at the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. And I just need to say it's been an absolute honor partnering with Attica and her city EMT on this, what we thought was going to be a pilot project where we were able to secure some general funds. And it is now honestly a part of our workforce family. Um, it is currently funded by our Dreamkeeper Initiative, a partnership with the Human Rights Commission that provides educational and career pathways for our black communities. And it's just been a pleasure working with this team and seeing all of the success in the past few years.
2: I appreciate those remarks, and I don't know if you wanna acknowledge your colleagues again who joins you um, that were part of this team, please. I would,
7: I would love to, starting with um, Jeff Mori, who's recently retired but still in close connection with our team that helped connect us with this um, today. I have Franz Lau, who is our healthcare academy manager and oversees all of our healthcare training programs that are clinical and non-clinical and Charlie Paisley, who is our sector training manager and oversees our trainings in healthcare, hospitality, technology, and other industries of opportunity.
2: All right, thank you very much for those comments for you. and for your participation in your support this morning.
7: Thank Let you. me
2: take some comments from our colleagues here. Attica, please, if you could return at this point. Any comments in terms of uh, this presentation? Vice President Morgan.
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just want to thank you Attica for, for your presentation and the rest of the, the folks uh, testimonies are really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I mean, I, I can't say enough for, for the service you're doing and and it's definitely needed out there, you know, because uh, especially for young girls of color that see someone that's did it and was successful so they can know that they can do it, you know, and then we can keep this thing going, keep the diversity going, and it's better for everybody. And uh, I just wanna thank you again. I wanna thank the city, uh, the work development uh, for the great job and the support they're giving you. And uh, besides uh, city funding, do you get funding from the state as well?
10: We have not, uh, Thank I uh, thank you for acknowledging all of the work that we're doing in the partnerships. Um, we have not achieved uh, state funding yet, but we uh, have been able to uh, be grantees for some foundation funding. So within some city funding from some foundations.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good news. Yes. I just want to say, keep up the great work. You do, you're doing God's work. I appreciate you
10: for saying that. Thank you. Commissioner Frazier.
4: A minute. I'm so impressed and so moved by your presentation. All of you want to thank Ms. Heisen, Lieutenant Davis, Anthony Laws, and especially you, Ms. Bowden, for a terrific presentation and program. You kind of got me misty there. Sorry. No! <laughs> it's all good. You know, I think this is the kind of thing that our kids need, our local kids really need, and we want to support, and uh, I am a retired nurse, and I'm all for everybody getting this kind of training, it can be a terrific career, and um, how hard you had to work to get this thing off the ground. I really want to acknowledge that, too. Um, I do have a question, which is, you mentioned, or someone, one of you mentioned that not only do the graduates of the program become EMTs, but they can also become dispatchers, and they go into other careers, service careers... Uh, And that's an outgrowth of this training, correct?
10: Am I understanding that? That is. That is uh, correct. That is an outgrowth. What we find from data with our sister organization, who has been in existence for 10 years, EMS Core, and the 113 of of our students is that... um, Maybe 40%, 40 to 45% would like to enter the EMT and or firefighter sector. 10% said thanks, it was a great awareness. Now I know it's an option. 20% would like to uh, enter the clinical setting. 5% Five percent emergency dispatch, and then the remaining, I believe, fifteen percent will like to return to school and further their careers before they enter into the fire service. So, with that data, we are now nurturing new relationships to offer additional programming. Uh, we are working with DPH to do something similar to the 9910 internship that we created, uh, the partnership with San Francisco Fire Department. And we've been speaking with DEM in regards to their testing and where they are losing what would then be a more diverse employee uh, pool for them. So we are working on those two additional prongs.
4: Well, I think you'll always have the full support of the commission, and I'm sure the department, AND OFFICE OF OBVIOUSLY ECONOMIC AND WORKFORCE DEVELOPMENT. I'M HAPPY TO HEAR ABOUT YOU'VE GOTTEN FOUNDATION MONEY AS WELL. I'm, THERE MUST BE MULTIPLE. IT JUST TAKES A LOT OF WORK. I KNOW THAT. Uh, BUT I ALSO WANT TO SUPPORT YOU IN THE B WORD AND GETTING THAT IN THE B FOR <laughs>
2: YOUR FUTURE. So THANK YOU. THANK YOU. THANK YOU VERY MUCH, COMMISSIONER FRASER. Um, I'M GOING TO HAVE A FEW COMMENTS. You know, for me, it was really important as president to have an agenda this presentation. For us on calendar, as soon as we go into November, December, we're down to one meeting and we conclude the calendar year. It goes without saying presently how tough things are all over the place, particularly San Francisco as well. And every once in a while, you kind of need programs that are positive or this presentation. That's what it is for me. and it's real important, and I appreciate Christina and Mr. Mr. Law, Anthony, for coming this morning and participating, um, but this goes around to when myself as a staff person working for Japanese Community Youth Council and my supervisor boss was Jeff Mori, that we ran this program called Saturday College. I'm just sharing with the audience. And one of those students in that Saturday College uh, running courses I taught critical thinking Uh, was yourself as a student. I don't know if you were a sophomore or a junior. Uh, All I do know is that you were in high school. Yep. And I wanted folks to share that and hear this because, again, what goes around comes around, Mr. Law, in terms of the effects one has. So for me to be able to have that experience and have interaction with you in these many, many years later, see you again within the relationship of this department as a member of the department, and then to have you retired and have you conceive this concept, come from the neighborhood, the Fillmore, Japantown area, is a great thing. But also in terms of public service and the discussion in terms of young people, I always look out and search for a program that has all of those keys. To me, this has all of the keys. And I'm proud that it's part of the fire department from the grassroots community conception in terms of diversity, but also a track to come into the department to be able to work with the black firefighters, uh, Lieutenant Davis, and the members of your team, uh, to work with uh, City County of San Francisco, Economic Workforce Development, uh, Ms. Howland, and your team with Jeff Mori, and to be able to pull that full circle in terms of developing alumni. And um, I'm gonna be anxious to hear how your interview goes. (laughs) And if it doesn't go well or whatever, there's no such thing. The light is there and the path is now driven. And so it's really a great thing to be able to have you come in, knowing that all of this and yet sharing it with our colleagues in the department, how all of this has connected within the collaboration. Nothing better than from the community to the department, to the city and county of Saskia workforce development, to the students and be able to have alumni with goals. So I just wanted to say all of that because I've been waiting for a long time um, for these kinds of presentations to happen but also how positive it is in terms of the, the workforce that's out there for us all in terms of public service. So I just wanted to thank you for that. And um, thank you all this morning for your participation, staff in terms of the mayor's workforce development. Uh, my colleague Jeff Mori, thank you.
10: All right. Thank you, thank you much. so much, President Nakajo. That was 35 years ago. Not that I thank you for not aging us. I wasn't going to bring it up. because yeah. I, I throw some age on both of us. If I say that was 35 years ago that I participated in that program. Um, but I do say that. The amazing part is that the city has come full circle. 35 years later, we are still offering programming and recognizing that the young adults need a little support to kind of get um, their ship moving in their career journeys. So I thank you again for allowing us. We would love to come back and give you updates um, whenever uh, time avails on the busy uh, fire commission schedule. (laughs) Thank you very much for your presentation this morning. Thank Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you, too, President David.
2: As we uh, conclude, please (laughs) hang around a little bit so we can say hello and greetings and salutations. Madam Secretary.
0: Item 10, adjournment. I'm sorry, item 11, adjournment.
2: We would like to adjourn this meeting in memory of our beloved Senator Feinstein, our beloved mayor of San Francisco. Feinstein, and wish condolences uh, to her daughter, our colleague Kathleen Feinstein, and to her granddaughter, and to her family and friends. This meeting is adjourned.